You are listening to the Fur Road Christian Church Podcast. Our mission is to love God and love people. For more information about Fur Road, visit furroadcc.org. That is F-I-R-R-O-A-D-C-C dot org. Now for this week's message. If you haven't picked that up, I just encourage you to look at that. It could be something that completely uh, changes your life. It's been used by a lot of different people and a lot of different uh, situations to help them change their perspective and, and align their hearts and minds with, with uh, how God views and looks at money. And that's really what we're hoping to do through this series is to take on the same attitude and the same approach that God has when it comes to our finances and the things that, that kind of, uh, how that plays into into our lives. Something that I was thinking about uh, in preparation for the message is, is kind of looking at the different attitudes that people have towards money. If you think about it, there are several different groups, several different types of people that really have different attitudes when it comes to money. Uh, if you look at people who are more entrepreneurial or business-minded, uh, you know, usually they have this attitude of uh, being with money and they want to really their whole purpose and their attitude towards money is they want to get it from other people's uh, accounts and into their own accounts you know if walmart's the amazons those big businesses they just want to create something or provide you or put something in front of you and they hope their intention is to get your money from you into their own accounts. And so that is their mindset of that money is I want to get it from somebody else to me. If you look at athletes or entertainers, uh, they look at money as something that compensates them for a skill or an ability or a, uh, you know, something that they provide for other people. And so it's this uh, in, indebtedness to them because of their greatness or, or their abilities that we should be willing to give them their money. And usually, they have that attitude of the more money I can make, the better off, and also it's validating to them uh, based on the size of the contract they have or the number of albums they, they sell. It gives them uh, in correlation to their ego or how they feel about themselves. And so money equates to them as a way of measuring their worth or their value in other ways as well. Uh, gamblers view money as something to be risked and to look for the easiest way to multiply and increase that and to find a way to get rich quick. That is a gambler's mentality. Charities, they have it as an attitude of, we hope that people will give to us so that we can give to others. We want to uh, be a, a place that we can then use the money that we're given to divide it out to people who might need it. They're looking for ways to use that resource to maybe bless other people or change the lives of other people. Investors look at money as something to be multiplied. You know, give us your money or, you know, they're always looking at ways to multiply their money. Uh, buying something that has this multiplication effect, maybe an investment property that will then turn into more money or investing in stocks that they hope will double their money and they view it as an asset to be multiplied and so that is a lot of times their mentality as an investor uh, farmers view it as something that needs to be borrowed right unfortunately a lot of farmers live most of their lives as they're farming in debt those costs of things that they have to buy
supply to supply their ability to farm is often astronomical in comparison to the things that they're able to produce. And so they become very comfortable with how he's taking out loans of the millions of dollars sometimes if it's a huge operation. And so they view it as something to be borrowed so that they can sustain their lives and hopefully make enough back to continue having a farm or continuing to pay back the loans that they've borrowed. Blue-collar people, uh, they view it as something to be earned. I'm going to go work. My time equates to money. Uh, The the amount of time that I put into this, I'm going to get paid for my services. And so they look at it as, you know, the time clock mentality of, I just want to make enough money to pay for my daily bills so that I'm not living paycheck to paycheck, hopefully. Uh, But really, I'm just going to go work and make money what I can and then use that as a way to sustain my lifestyle that I've become accustomed to. Uh, Kids and teenagers view something that is limitless. Uh, They go to their parents and they think that there is an endless, a limitless amount of money that they should be able to get from their parents and provide for them in any ways that they view uh, fit. Uh, Whatever they want, they should be able to have it right now and right then, right? And so teenagers have that idea that, that money might be limitless or that it's never going to run out or their parents are the richest people in the world, right? And so These are generalizations, obviously, but it really details that there are a lot of different attitudes when it comes to money. There's a lot of different approaches and how to handle it, how to use it, how to work with it. And, you know, as Jesus was looking at the idea of finances, the idea of treasures, he realized that there's a lot of different ideas, there's a lot of different approaches, and if you look at his parables, you look at his teachings, he really paints a lot of different pictures of the different attitudes that people have towards money, and he paints a different one, Uh, and really, as Jesus is teaching, he paints this attitude. He thinks and teaches that our attitude towards money and possession is a barometer of where our heart is. I think we've all heard that verse that, you know, uh, where your heart is or where your money is, that's where your heart will be also. And so Jesus taught this idea that our attitude towards money and possessions is a barometer of where our heart is. And our attitude towards money and possessions will reveal to other people where our heart is, what we are intent on, what we are going after, what we are chasing after, what is important to us, uh, and really what we view money and what we view our possessions as the means for. It means a lot of different things to a lot of different people in a lot of different ways. And so Jesus understood and taught that principle And if we look at one of his followers, and, you know, Paul being one of the ones that really had a different and unique ministry, but one who went from place to place and interacted with a lot of different churches, worked with a lot of different cultures, and so he got to deal with a lot of people who viewed money maybe differently than some other places. And so on one of his missionary journeys... One of his intentions and one of his hopes was to raise and kind of fundraise money for the church back in Jerusalem that was struggling to get by. The finances weren't there. They weren't meeting budget. And so he was going to these other places and asking and imploring and, and you know, kind of asking them to pray and, and ask about giving money back to the Jerusalem church. So, you know, send it back to home base so that we can continue the ministries that God has put on our lives and in our hearts there. And in this process, he would oftentimes write about these different churches, and sometimes he writes good things, sometimes he writes negative things, 
And the passage that we're going to look at today uh, comes from 2 Corinthians, and it's going to be in chapter 8. And kind of the thing that Paul notices and teaches us through this text is that one of these groups, one of these churches impresses him on the way that they approach money and their attitude on giving. And he was so impressed with their attitude on giving that he wanted to teach, he wanted to show, he wanted to use them as an example to other places, to other people, to other churches on what our attitude should be when it comes to giving. And so we are going to look at that text today, and we're going to start in verse 1 of chapter 8, and it reads this way. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. So some background behind these Macedonian churches. Uh, this is, in particular, writing to the church in Corinth as well, in around 51 or 52 AD, during his second missionary journey. And it's after he has established his church, he's gone to Antioch, where he's concluded his missionary journey, and now is on his third missionary journey, and he's traveling to these different places. And he writes these letters to the church in Corinth, and he is addressing several of the concerns that have arisen at that church. And so Paul is writing this letter to them to address and kind of change their attitude about some of the things that they're doing. And he uses this Macedonian area uh, as an example of what he hopes this, this church in Corinthians would do too. And the thing that he is kind of telling and uh, the underlying truth of the matter of this Macedonian church, church or area, the background, is that it was not as well off as some of the other areas in that, in that time and place. It wasn't an affluent place like if. Ephesus. You know, there in the Macedonian area, it was a lot more impoverished. There was a lot of poverty and the persecution that the churches dealt with. And really, in the scope of where he traveled and the places that he went, this would have been one of the poorer areas that he visited uh, because of the Roman rule over it. And they had been in there for over 200 years, and they'd been treated cruelly, and they'd been taxed, and, you know, really a lot of their resources had been stripped, and kind of they were just surviving. And so this is not a place that has a lot of affluence. It's not a place that has a lot of wealth. It was more known for their struggles, their hardships, just that rural nature. It's not a big metropolis. And so that's why it's kind of in referred to as the Macedonian area, not just so much a city that would have had all this ability to pull together resources or generate income or be business people. And so Paul is in this process of this missionary journey, and he's raising money, like I said, for the church in Jerusalem. And the church in Jerusalem was experiencing an extremely difficult time financially for a few of the different region, reasons. There had been the explosion of the new Christians in Jerusalem from all the, over the world that needed to be housed and fed. Uh, there had also been persecution of Christians so that they couldn't easily find work. And finally, there was a massive famine that impacted the availability of food. So there was three things that were working against the church in Jerusalem as far as being able to continue the ministries that we read about like in Acts 2.42 and their ability to really continue to do that. And so they're drawing these resources from other places. And Paul goes to this place that we read about here. And again, in that verse, it says that, this we want you to know brothers about the grace of god that has been given among the churches of macedonia 
And, and I want us to notice like why they were willing to give. What initiated this ability to be generous, to change their attitude about how to use their finances, how to use their resources. And in this passage, the primary motive for their giving wasn't human kindness. It wasn't human philanthropy. It wasn't to ease their own consciousness or make them feel good about themselves. The phrase here is the grace of God that we want to key in. That's what motivated the Macedonian church to give, as we'll read about, and how they give. But the reason they give is because of their understanding and the change of their heart, the change of their attitude, the receiving and the understanding of the grace of God. They had been recipients of God's grace, and their lives were changed because they now had God. They now had Jesus. They understood what it meant to follow after God. You know, grace is something that changes our attitudes. When we receive the grace of God, when that is something that we put in our heart, when it's something that we begin to apply in our lives, there is a transformation that happens when we accept and receive the grace of God and begin to live that out. We see time after time in Scripture of people's lives who were drastically changed when they received the grace of God. One of the people that we see that deals with finances particularly is that of Zacchaeus, someone that we have all heard about growing up. Sunday school, you know, we all hear about this wee little man. And one of the things that is always pointed out is that after he goes, after Jesus comes to his house, after Jesus eats with him, dines with him, one of the things that he does is he decides to give back in abundance and multiplication of things that he took from other people. And so, he has this physical response, this emotional response to the grace of God. Someone who had been a tax collector, who had invested and spent his entire life trying to build up his wealth, trying to build up his empire, not caring if he tricked or, or stole from people. It was about him and this selfish attitude. But when Jesus comes to his house, his attitude changes. The money becomes less important to him. Because his attitude and his understanding of God's grace. In fact, when Jesus talks to Zacchaeus, the thing that he talks about is salvation. And he says, today salvation has come to this house. There's this transformation of the spiritual nature of his life. He receives the grace of God. And that becomes so much more valuable than the resources that he's been accumulating the gift of grace is so much is worth so much more than any type of wealth that we might have. And so that is one of the things that Paul wants us to learn and the church in Corinthians to learn is that whenever we have the grace of God, it transforms our attitude towards money. And this indicator of our life, and it shows through the reflection of our heart how we deal with money before we're Christians and after we've received the grace of God. You know, uh, since it's getting close to Christmas, right? I know we still have Thanksgiving this week, but I'm sure some of you have already watched a Christmas movie. How many of you have already watched Christmas movies at this point? About a third of you. That's pretty, uh, pretty impressive that it's not 100%. Uh, most of us have traditional Christmas movies that we like to watch. The one that we watch in our family uh, that we watch without a doubt every year is the movie uh, A Christmas Carol. And it's the one with Scrooge, and we watched the old version of it. But this 
this perfectly illustrates this change of heart, right? At the beginning of the movie, he's known as this penny pincher. He won't let him light the candle. Too he's only allowed one candle. His heart is very, and he's keeping strict record of the finances. He doesn't want to, to spend anything more than he has to, and he is just concerned about his wealth and compiling that, and, and he doesn't care how that impacts anybody. It doesn't care how he hurts. It's about him and his finances, and then he goes through the process of having his attitude changed. He sees the possibilities. He sees the, uh, the, the issues. He sees something that he doesn't want to become. And his attitude has changed, and the underlying factor of, of that is, uh, and they don't really paint it out as this transformation, spiritually speaking, but if you look between the lines, there is. There's that spiritual transformation. His attitude changes, his approach to life changes, and he becomes takes on this attitude of joy. And he has this abundance of joy at the end of the movie that he doesn't have. And it's, even though he's frugal at the beginning, his generosity at the end leads to this abundance of joy, not only in his own life, but in the lives of those that he blesses with his finances. And so he has this huge change of attitude, much like Zacchaeus probably had, where he was frugal and tight, but then he receives the grace of God, and then he becomes generous in his life and and the lives of those around him change because of the joy that he's received from having the grace of God change his attitude towards money. Again, what once had the most value in his life no longer does. Money was the most important thing, but now God's grace trumps all of that. And that is really one of those first steps of how to be generous, how to be willing to be someone who is giving to the things of God, as we have to have the grace of God change our attitude when it comes to finances. Uh, Paul also writes this to the Corinthian church in verse 2. says, In the midst of very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up rich generosity. This is a pretty remarkable statement. Again, the churches in Macedonia were struggling economically and physically. They faced a severe test of affliction in terms of persecution from the Romans. The Romans taxed them so heavily that their resources were depleted and they, they faced extreme poverty as a result. These Macedonians were poor financially. They were persecuted. And yet, the thing that Paul writes about them is that they were giving... And their attitude towards giving overflowed in a wealth of generosity. They had this overflowing joy. Despite their circumstances, despite the poverty that they lived in, they were still able to have this attitude that impressed Paul. That even in their poor, poorness, they were willing to be rich in joy. That they were willing to share what they had and give beyond you know, the Greek word here for generosity is interesting. It's translated in the Bible as generosity or liberty or even sincerity. The Greek word carries this idea of a single-mindedness rather than its opposite, which is double-mindedness. And that's what the wonderful way to see about generosity is. Generosity is this attitude that triumphs over double-mindedness or duplicity. So even though the churches of Macedonia found themselves in difficult circumstances, they didn't use their difficulties as an excuse or a, a pass 
they didn't have that poor me mentality. They didn't say, well, we can't help it. Can't you see that we have enough problems on our own when Paul comes and asks them to give generously? These people who were recipients of the grace had been liberated from their slavery to money. The Macedonians were literally rich with single-mindedness. They were no longer self-centered, but they were now God-centered and other-centered. They wanted to help bless the mission and change the lives and the work of the people in Jerusalem. You know, it's been said that when it comes to giving, some people stop at nothing. But frankly, that is where a great many number of people stop. They don't give. They're not willing to give. They stop at giving nothing. It's important to see that the Macedonians didn't have that attitude. They didn't stop when they had nothing. They were still willing to give. And it's important to see that Jesus notices not only what we give, but the amount of that we give. There's several times in the scriptures that he makes note of the people who give out of the fact that they don't have very much and that they actually give more because of the little that they have rather than those people who give some out of their great wealth. That's what impresses God is when our attitude is willing to be generous despite the circumstances that might not be the best. And that is truly being able to give generously despite our circumstances. And that is an attitude that we should always have, is that we should always give generously despite circumstances. It doesn't matter what goes on in our life, there is still an expectation that God desires for us to be generous, for us to have this attitude of caring and seeing and meeting the needs of others. You know, there's different people who have that and you know some churches have that stigma about them of people who have maybe watched an evangelist on tv who is just begging for money or you know they offer to heal people because uh, they're sick but you know there's that underlying tone that you need to pay for that service right paul tells us that the churches in macedonia actually had a different approach they begged the leaders to give instead of receiving and it wasn't about the amount that they were giving that was important it was the orientation of the heart that God evaluates. They understood this attitude that is pointed out and quoted in the book. It says, remember this, you can't serve God and money, but you can serve God with money. Jesus famously says that you can't serve both God and money. And he asks us to choose one. But the thing that I think makes a bigger impact is when we serve God with our money. It shows that we choose God over our money when we're willing to serve God with our money. God's grace oriented us to have a right understanding and to use that money to help other people, to serve other people. And that way it doesn't become our master, but our, that becomes our servant. And it's a lot better in our lives if we're able to have money as our servant rather than our master. It changes our attitude. It changes our hearts. It changes the way that we approach life. It changes the way that we interact with people around us. I think most of us would agree that we enjoy being around people who are generous rather than people who are stingy. There's just something about people who give joyfully that is uh, somebody that we want to be around. We enjoy being around happy people who are willing to give no matter what they may or may not have, and are willing to serve God. 
So really, that's the attitude that God wants us to have, the single-mindedness of generosity. So in this passage, we see that Paul is, again, pointing this picture that they were being generous givers out of the lack of things that they have. And so this giving that was initiated by God's grace and was generous despite circumstances leads to something else that we're going to learn and kind of dive into. And that's in the next three verses. So going back to 2 Corinthians 8, 3 through 5, it reads as follows. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing this service of the Lord's people, and they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. So they were so grateful that God had allowed them to pay their lives change and was allowed to be used by them. They're begging for this opportunity to serve. They're begging for this opportunity to give, to be involved. And that's really a heart that we have and should have and desire to have if we want to impact the lives of those around us is that we should be having the same attitude towards money that And in fact, that Lord, all I have is yours. All I am is yours. My life is yours. My talents are yours. My money is yours. Everything I am and I have is yours. Please use it as you want. That really should be the mindset that we take on in our lives. That everything that we have is God's. Because that shows that we're living a life And using our resources, using our time, using our talent with this attitude that giving is an act of worship. The way that we give, who we give to, how we give can be, in fact, a way that we worship God. And that is one of the reasons I think it brings us such joy if we give with the right attitude, with the right right mindset, is because it's an act of worship. If we come to church and we give with a heart of joyful giving, if we give to a ministry that we get to see the lives of other people's change, maybe someone comes to Christ because of that ministry, it gives us a lot of joy when we see things happen and we see the positive results of our giving. And it becomes this act of worship. And we learn from the people in Macedonia that this is an act of worship for them. That they are exceeding the expectations and they give themselves to God. It shows the attitude that God owns everything and we're just his money managers. And that's really an attitude that we should strive to live with as a follower of God. Rather than letting our money own us, we realize that God owns everything. And that we're just the managers of these things. And if you have that mindset of a money manager, it changes the way that you allocate and use and spend that money. If someone, if you have your own $100 that you worked hard for and then you have to decide how to spend it, it's probably going to be a little bit different than if someone hands you $100 and says, hey, I want you to go give that away. It's a lot easier to spend and give other people's money than it is for our own money, right? And when we feel like we earn it, then it becomes a lot harder to give it versus the attitude of God has given this to me and I'm just the placeholder for another ministry or another place that God wants to use it. If we can have that attitude, it it changes the way that we spend and use our money. 
And so I'm going to share a story with someone who didn't quite have that attitude as much as maybe he should. It's a story told by a Scottish church many years ago that was attempting to raise money for a new, new building. One member of the church uh, was very rich and known to be worth around 50,000 pounds. And he was a typical Scot and was pretty tight with his money. Uh, in the process of trying to raise the money, one of the deacons from the church came and, and asked him, brother, how much are you going to give for the new church? And the Scotsman replied was, oh, I, I guess I'll be able to put in the widow's mite. The, the deacon thanked him and left, uh, thinking that he was only going to give a small amount, that widow's mite of those two pence, right? And at the next prayer meeting, though, as he shows up, the deacon reports to the entire church, brothers and sisters, we have all the money that we need. This brother is going to give 50,000 pounds. The man was amazed and shocked and a little caught off guard. He said, I didn't say I would give 50,000 pounds. I said I would give a widow's mite. And the deacon replied, well, she gave everything. I thought that's what you meant you were going to give to. All right. So the story ends with a, a bad attitude on his part, and he isn't as generous as maybe he should be. But the attitude that we need to have is that we should be doing things with God's money. And our different situations, our different positions, our different gifts, our different talents, our different blessings, we all do something different and probably have different attitudes when it comes to money. We're all created a little bit differently. Some of us are intent on just adding to the money and adding to the blessings that God has given to us. Maybe you're hard workers just getting to add to make things happen and you're just going to be able to use the attitude of adding money to what you have to then be able to add it to things that God puts in front of you. Some of you might be multipliers that God gives you a little bit and you have that investor mentality that attitude that I can take a little and turn it into so much more. Maybe God has blessed you with abilities to, to take the things that God puts in your life and everything you touch is, turns to gold. Everything you buy flourishes and, and God just blesses you and you have this multiplier mentality mentality and you have this attitude I'm going to take what I have and make more out of it to bless people beyond maybe what other people are going to do maybe you have a divider attitude that you're going to take something and divide it amongst other people God has blessed you with some but you're going to see these different projects you're going to see these four different people along the way and you're going to divide your resources to different people and still use it to bless other people uh, hopefully you aren't just a subtractor though, like a teenager always just taking the thing God gives you and thinking that there's an endless supply of God's resources and never using it to bless other people. Hopefully you're either adding, multiplying, or using the resources God has given you to divide and grow the kingdom. We don't want to be subtractors, but we want to have the attitude of taking the things God has given to us and doing things with it. The Macedonians understood this, and that's a truth that we need to do as well. It doesn't matter how much God has given you. It doesn't matter your circumstances. God can still use what you have. God can still use you in your situation to do the things that he wants to do. And a reminder that everything in this world belongs to God, and we're simply the managers of what he has entrusted with us can change the way that we approach life. 
And so giving is initiated by that grace. It transcends difficult circumstances. And if we are able to do that, we're able to do that with a generous attitude. We will receive an abundance of joy as it becomes this act of worship for us as we take the resources God has given to us to change and impact the lives of other people. You know, as we come into this week of Thanksgiving, we have the opportunity to, to kind of share and, and decide how we want to use some things. There's an opportunity for us to remember to be thankful for the blessings that God has given to us uh, as we turn the corner from Thanksgiving to Christmas, where we really take on that attitude of giving other people things as well. You're going to have chances, you're going to have opportunities, and you're going to have to make decisions of how am I going to use the things God has given to me? How am I going to use the, the resources God has given to me, the gifts that God has given me to bless other people? And I can't tell you exactly what that might be. I can't tell you exactly how and when God might want you to use your things, but that becomes a relationship with you and God. Pray about it. Look for opportunities that you can use and be used by God. Ask him how he wants you to use your resources. And, you know, it's really about having the right heart. Maybe in that process, continuously pray, God, give me the right heart as I deal with this. God, give me your heart to know how to use that. And really, if we're able to have that, it can be something that transforms our life. You know, if we are able to take on the attitude of God, it changes the way that we view things. Instead of being stressful, instead of being hoarders, instead of being really tight and, and wondering if that's going to, you know, be able to, if we're going to be able to just make it through Christmas or the holidays, instead of having that, that attitude that just kind of makes us dry up and shrink up, we have the attitude of Scrooge at the end of the story where we're a little bit more free, we're a little bit more joyful, we're a little bit more willing to share and bless other people. It's all up to us on how we choose to use the things that God has given to us. And really that is the prayer, is that you would have the right attitude about all of that. And that you use your treasures that God has given to you to do the things that God wants you to do. And if we do that, then the things that God will do through us in our life will provide an abundance of joy.